powerful. God with us. Look at your neighbor and say, you know, God is with you. Come on. God is with you. Isn't that powerful? He's with you every moment of every day. Boy, we need to remember that. That's the God we serve. Well, open your Bibles today to Luke chapter 1. Going to make it really easy for you today, right? Luke chapter 1. Uh, we read the Christmas story in the Gospels in Matthew and Luke. Mark and John start it with, uh, really, Mark starts it with John the Baptist. John starts with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He starts all the way back, but he doesn't necessarily hit what we would call the Christmas story. But we know Luke does, and we also know that Matthew does. So I want to get to Luke chapter 1 in just a minute. But I want to read the verse, and we're all going to read it together. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13, out of the New Century Version. Though we're calling this much a thrill of hope, the reason we have hope is through this one verse. And I want us to say it and say it and say it. I hope you say it every day, pray it every day. It's a very powerful verse. Romans 15, 13. Ready? Say this with me. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, now close your eyes because I want to read this. And I want you to listen to it. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I pray every day, pray every day that verse. Boy, I want to overflow with hope. In fact, we talked about last week, the translation of that word hope that we read in the Bible isn't, well, I, I hope so. I, I, I hope I can get there. No, it means an expectation of good or a confident expectation. Hope to us, or what we use kind of in our language, sounds like, well, I just hope it happens. But in Bible times, in the translation, what God is wanting to communicate, it's an expectation for good. It's a confident expectation. In fact, biblical hope desires and expects something to happen. So when we say to be filled of hope, we're expecting God to do what he says he will do. You know that word, a thrill of hope, oh holy night has that, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. That's one of my, Oh Holy Night is one of my favorite songs. If I could sing really good, and if I could sing one song really good, I would love to sing Oh Holy Night. It's such a powerful song. But notice uh, the, the lyric, A Thrill of Hope, The Weary World Rejoices. I'm sure when Jesus came, the earth at that time where people were populated were weary. The Roman government was occupying. People were weary. The, there was religious oppression. The people were weary. And they were also weary of the promise of the Messiah. It had been prophesied and mentioned and it hadn't come to pass. And now we're an occupied nation. But here's what I want us to remember today. God is always at work. He is always at work. 
God is also a speaking God. He's always speaking. So even when we look at the verses today and even when we reference things between Malachi and Matthew of 400 years of silence, God is not silent. God is speaking. God is never silent. He's, in fact, he has from the beginning when he said, let there be light, he's been talking all the way through. And he speaks to us again today from his word. And at this time, Christmas season, allow him to speak to your heart. You know, when Madison was probably five, I was taking a, a college class and I decided to try out this illustration on a child. I figured it's pretty safe, right? Michelle wouldn't go for it, but I figured Madison, I could, I could get her to go for it. So Christmas time, and uh, in fact, the house we were living in, La Mirana, had this long stairway, and so I used it as an illustration. I said, Madison, I'm going to tell you a story. It's not a, a true story, but I just want you to react on the first thing that you think. And she's like, okay, you know, kids are like, yeah, great. All right, it's Christmas morning, and you're coming down the stairway, and you see the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree is piled up with gifts. And every single gift says Madison. She's like, really? No, oh, it's just part of my story. But dad's not home. Where are you going? That's what she starts, right? Someone's like, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. It's just a story. You come in. Dad's not home. That's part one. Okay? Just hold your thought there. All right. It's Christmas morning. And you're at the top of the stairs and you come down the stairs and you look at the Christmas tree and there's no gifts for anybody, no gifts for Madison. But dad is sitting at the corner of the couch waiting for you to come down. Now, what would you choose? And she thought it was a split second. We can ship you something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here's what the exercise was. Do we value the presence or do we value the presence? It's the presence of God that we value. Is that extra, that cute? We'll ship you something. <laughs> you wanted him so much to choose. Oh, I want you, right? I don't want anything. I want you. So though a world may look weary, God is at work and he is very presence comes down into man mankind. In fact, open with me then to Luke chapter 1. I want to read a couple verses here um, early in Luke chapter 1 because I really want to look at Mary today and how she responds when God speaks. But God speaks first uh, about the birth of John the Baptist. And I want to just read a couple verses in Luke chapter 1. And let us remember, because we'll go back there in just a minute, about the end of Malachi. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 13, again, an angel says to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord for their God. Let me just stop there. Wouldn't that be a powerful thing to hear about your child? Right? They're going to be powerful. In fact, they're going to turn hearts 
Now notice what the next verse says here in verse 17. He, talking about the Lord, he will also go before him, or John the Baptist going before him, talking about Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It wasn't enough of the promise of John. It wasn't enough of the power in him being filled with the Spirit. But verse 17 is what we read at the very end of Malachi. In fact, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. The last thing written in our Bibles before there was 400 years of silence that we read now in Luke. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I believe there's two meanings. One meaning is we're seeing that's part of who John the Baptist is. The other one we know in the book of Revelation, and we don't have time to get into it, there are two witnesses and one of them will be Elijah. So it's also another prophetic verse for us. But in verse 17, the very end of Malachi has now been spoken. That the silence of what they thought was silence is no more. That there's now one that's going to be born that's going to go before Jesus and he's going to turn hearts. There's going to be hearts that are turned. Well, about the same time is where we pick up um, our story today in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 and we pick up and we want to look specifically at Mary. And here's what I want you to look at today. How does she respond when God speaks to her through this angel? How does she respond? What does she say? What does she do? We pick this up in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, a virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Look at verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? Now, all of us have probably gotten a phone call and somebody has said these words. I think you need to sit down to listen to this. You ever heard that before? So what are they about? Are they about to tell you good news or bad news? Usually it's bad news. Oh, stay standing so I can tell you this story. No, sit down. Well, there's no sit down. She walks in and there's the angel Gabriel. That would freak you out enough, wouldn't it? Somebody there and you hear this 
a call now that goes forth that she's been chosen and she's probably in her mind. You know, a lot of times we have conversations and we'll remember one part. Even when we're paying attention, this is a powerful message from the angel Gabriel about what's about to happen to her. Now remember, we've got a young teenage girl that now finds out she's going to get pregnant from God. Imagine telling your parents about that. Uh, I'm pregnant, but it's of the Lord. You know, people have tried that, right? Doesn't work out, does it? That's a, that's a plus. She's betrothed. Betrothed is not engagement. Betrothed really was a marriage. Though they're not living together, though they haven't been intimate together, they are together. And to break that is like a type of divorce. So to get this word about a child in front of Mary... That's a very powerful thing. In fact, it's a great promise that we read. He's going to be great. He's going to be called Son of the Highest, the Lord God. He will have the throne of his father David in verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. It doesn't say it will last 30 years. There will be no end. But Mary starts to think, how can that happen? Well, let's think about that in our life. God speaks to you. What does your mind have a tendency to do? How is that going to happen? But he has this great, powerful promise to her. But isn't it interesting that the very first thing she does is she's doubting and checking her circumstances. How is, how is this going to happen? And yet what we read later on, in fact, let's look at it here in just a minute. We read later on that she says these words in uh, verse 30. In fact, let me read all the way along. I think we have these on the screen. Uh, verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her so in mary's trying to in her mind figure out how is this going to happen that i'm going to have a child but notice the change that takes place let it be to me according to your word i'm not going to sit and try to figure out how all of this is going to happen every single step i'm just going to say let it be to me according to your word Mary now is the first one, and I was thinking about this, that is born, or that it, she is the first one to carry the gospel on the inside of her, the very Son of God on the inside of her. And Mary teaches us that God watches people. God watches people. You know, we read in the book of Psalms that the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men, and he's looking who are worshiping him, who are seeking his face. You know, Mary uh, is in Nazareth. In fact, M Mary is not living in Newport Beach, just so everybody can see that, right? Right? She's not in Newport Beach. 
fact, if we threw a city on, we'd have to throw some city, some uh, rough city, maybe somewhere in South Central Los Angeles. She's not from the uppity place. She's a very young girl. She doesn't have some credential, but here's what it lets us know. God watches. God sees. God takes account. God's the one that keeps the records. He's watching, and he chose this one. But when he spoke a promise, it rattled her to think, how can this happen? That becomes natural sometimes. How is this going to work, God? This seems so big. But then she switches what she says, and the very next thing out of her mouth is, let it be to me according to your word. I don't know how we're going to explain it. I don't know how I'm going to tell Joseph. I don't know how I'm going to tell my friends, but let it be to me according to your word. God, you'll work it out. That's what we need to say. God, I don't know how it's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand the timing, but I want to shift that off and I want to say, let it be to me according to what you say. You know, I was youth pastoring in Artesia um, and I'd run over to the office before a Sunday night service and the phone rang. And I picked up the phone, and I remember saying, Trinity Christian Center, this is Walter. And I heard these words, give me one reason right now that I don't blow my brains out. Now, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't led by the Spirit. Go to the office, the phone's going to ring, and on the third ring, pick it up, and here's what you say. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, I wanted to say, say that again, but you don't say that to a person like that. And here's what came out of my mouth. Give me, she said, give me one reason why I don't blow my brains out. I said, because God loves you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's all I said. And there was this long pause. And I said, hello. And I finally, I, I forget the girl's name. There was no caller ID on, on the phone to find out. Now, we usually know when somebody says that, we call the authorities. And I began to talk, and I said, did you put the gun down? And she said these words. She says, I did. And I said, um, put the gun away. Well, it's my father. He's a police officer. It's his service 9mm Beretta. Well, I knew then, this, isn't, this is real. Uh, as we began to talk, I heard the door open in the house, and her father must have come in, and she said, I need to get off the phone. That was the end of the conversation. Never heard anything back. I think I was troubled in service the whole time, probably praying for her, hoping that she called after service. But I remembered this. The first thing that came out of my mouth wasn't what I probably normally would have said. It said, God loves you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the response I think we need to have when God does some things in our heart. What is the first thing that comes out of our mouth? Because what comes out of Mary's mouth again here is, let it be to me according to your word. Let me not figure it out. Let me not sit down and go through the pros and cons, but let it be to me according to your word. A friend of mine wrote this, and I, I wanted to read it out. Don't dig up doubt where you planted hope. Don't dig up doubt where you planted hope. Remember, hope is the expectation of good. Hope is confident expectation. Don't dig it up when you're confident. Be believe what God says and say those words like Mary did. A young girl, let it be to me according to your word. In fact, let's pick this back up in Luke chapter uh, 1, verse 46, and let's look at Mary's song. How many of you would be honest to say, I've written a song before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You say, I've written a song. 
There's like just a few of us. Come on. Be honest. Okay, I got a few other ones. How many of you are known to sing in your car? Oh, wow. Okay. How many of you are known to sing in the bath or shower? Okay. How many of you don't sing? Oh, nobody's hand went up. Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But how many of you have a favorite Christmas song? When you hear it on, you sing along, you sing along, you sing along. You might be out of key, but you sing along. We all have songs that we sing. There are songs that are so powerful. Have you ever heard a song before and you can think back 30 years where you were at the mall and the girl you were with? Is that weird how a song does that? But Mary has a song. And it becomes so powerful because she goes and visits Elizabeth. And if you read the scripture in between, the babies on the inside leap, right? There's, a, there's already a connection there. And we read this in verse 46. In fact, it's titled the Song of Mary. And Mary said, and look at her first words there in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. Regardless of her circumstance, her age, the city that she's in, the situation with Joseph being betrothed, connecting now with Elizabeth probably throws a little bit other piece in there. And she starts with, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's the inward part. Everything within me magnifies the Lord. Well, let me read what she said and probably saying. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. Well, I stopped there and I underlined that in my Bible because we've been talking about Matthew 5, verse 6, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. That was a a verse Jesus read in the Beatitudes. Now Mary sings that out in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy he has spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever and Mary remained with her talking about Elizabeth for three months and then returned to her house Mary had a song do you know you have a song when the Lord gives you a promise let it be a song let it be something that comes from without, within your soul. Let it become so powerful. In fact, I like when it says that, my soul magnifies the Lord. The um, common English uh, Bible says this, Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. Mary is now magnifying God and not her circumstances. She's going to magnify God's word over her circumstances. How many of you took biology in high school? Anybody here took biology? And some of you, how many of you did maybe in college? You took a science or something in college. All of us at one time used a microscope, didn't we? And they handed us a slide, and it didn't look like anything was on it. And we slid it under the microscope, and we tuned in the microscope, and all of a sudden, whatever was on there became alive. Sometimes you looked on there and you thought, 
this kid just licked it next to me before we put it back under, whatever that was in there, you know, hopefully. But you'd look on it, they'd give you another slide. What a microscope does is it magnifies the tiny little things that you don't see. You pull that out and you look at it, and you'd have to hold it up and you might see a little bit on it, but the moment you put it in, uh, you can begin to see it magnifies, or I like to say, it blows it up. Many times we see today where they'll look under something, but they put it up on a big screen so you can see every little thing. Here's what Mary does. Mary blows up on what God said to her, doesn't put it away, doesn't put it back in a thought, isn't, isn't not going to think about it. It becomes a song that we read about today for what God says about her. She's going to remember what he said, regardless how crazy it might sound, right? You're a, a, a young girl from Nazareth, and you're going to have the Son of God in your womb, and it's not going to be by any man's doing, and he's going to be great and have a kingdom forever. Wow. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, the Lord could have used any womb, couldn't he? There had to have been other girls that were in good standing. There had to have been other ones betrothed. It wasn't because there was a Joseph and Mary. Yes, there was. Joseph was from the city of David. Uh, but God could have found somebody else. But he chose Mary and she found favor. But I'm sure that there were others, but she was the one that he chose. But Mary would have to walk a very interesting journey that we read about. In fact, after Jesus is dedicated in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. You know, I love baby dedications. They're one of those great things that you love to celebrate in a service because you get to bless a child. Had somebody uh, call oh, about a month and a half ago. They used to go to our church 15 years ago. Uh, had moved on, but they wanted to dedicate a grandchild here. They wanted to know, would it be okay? Absolutely. Uh, it ended up not working out on their end. But there's something about when you dedicate a child, the things that you pray, the things that you speak, you pray over the parents. Well, at the end of Jesus' dedication, there's a weird thing that's thrown out here in verse 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. You, you know, at that time, you'd pull out the cross and kind of stick it up and say, no, 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 stop. I like the other part. A sword is going to pierce through your soul also? That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wait, we liked all of the stuff before. I like the part of his kingdom's going to be forever. I don't like the part of there's going to be a piercing of my own soul. Here's what Mary didn't know. Mary didn't know that in being pregnant in that last month that she would have to go all the way to Bethlehem. That probably wasn't a fun ride, however they got down there. That she'd be turned away by some inn or innkeeper and have Jesus, the Son of God, born and placed in an animal feeding trough. I don't know about you, but my dog eats messy. And you can imagine the animals back in that time. So he's born in a feeding trough. Shepherds come and worship him. As we read in the Bible, they move to a home where the wise men come and give gifts. But then your husband gets a dream. And you're to flee to Egypt. They go to Egypt. 
they're in Egypt um, a good period of time before Joseph has another dream and they come back. We don't read much about Jesus until he's missing, right? Have you ever had a child missing? We lost our daughter at the mall for 30 seconds and it seemed like a month, but she was over getting the big stack of balloons, right? There's something that happens. Jesus is missing, but they find him in the temple. He's asking and listening to questions of the religious leaders. Uh, you tell him, Mary, to help at a wedding. And he's telling you it's not his time. And then you go tell the servants, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's his first miracle, water to wine. But Mary now is going to watch his ministry after that point. She's going to watch the rejection that Jesus faces. She's going to watch the religious leaders that want to try to do anything to trap him, to have him killed. She's going to see him rejected, shamed, beaten, and crucified, but she's going to see him resurrected. But all the way back, she said, let it be to me according to your word. She was willing to take the hope of the promise of God and to walk it out regardless of what she would see. I think we always need to remember Mary's last words that are recorded in the scripture because it's what she tells the servants at the miracle of the water to wine. Whatever he tells you, do it. That's powerful. Whatever he tells you, do it. We could almost say, whatever he tells you, you can be assured that he's promised it. So whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I like to remember this. Christmas isn't about eggnog. And I love eggnog. It's not about fruitcake. And I love fruitcake. It's not about the lighted trees. It's not about the life-size nativity. It's not about all of those things. Christmas is about God keeping his word. And though he talked about it in Genesis chapter 15, there would be one that would come. Yeah, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush his head. All the way through the Old Testament are types, shadows, prophecies about this child that would be born, about a Messiah that would become. And at the end of Malachi to the beginning of, of Luke that we read, all of a sudden the silence is stopped because Babies are being born in wombs that there shouldn't be babies in there because God is on the move. And I always like this about God. He always uses imperfect people for a perfect plan. Think about that. He always uses imperfect people for a perfect plan. He uses Rahab the harlot he uses, uh, in fact, I, I love when I read Hosea. Hosea is told to marry a prostitute named Gomer. I think of somebody, hey, we're going to set you up with this girl. Yeah, what's her name? Her name's Gomer. <laughs> She's a prostitute, has kids. You're going to have kids. Where did you find this one? You know, All throughout the Bible, God chooses imperfect people to impart a perfect plan and we read where these people get a plan from God and then they start to try to figure out what God is doing but then at some point along the journey they come back to it and they say just like Mary said let it be to me according to your word let it be to me according to your word but let me ask you this today the same thing is so true about you and me 
God sees you. He knows exactly every detail that is happening today in your life. He knows how it's all going to play out. He knows exactly what you need to get through every circumstance and every challenge. And he's faithful to give you what you ask for him in prayer. And he knows all of this because why? Because he's watching. He's watching. When life gets difficult and has the tendency, don't magnify or blow up your problem. Magnify or blow up the word that he's placed in your heart. Magnify the truth. Magnify and know that he's watching. Magnify and know that he doesn't sleep or slumber. Blow up that truth in your mind. Believe it. And like Mary, remember what he tells you to do. Do it. Do it. He always uses people for a perfect plan. Bow your heads if you would with me this morning. Father, we thank you that as we read our Bibles between Malachi and Luke, that your heart has always been to turn hearts back. You have never, ever given up on anyone. You've never given up. In fact, as we look at just our Bible and timelines, you have been so patient and so faithful. You don't desire that anyone would perish. And you've given all of us time. In fact, there's not anybody that can say, I didn't have the time, I didn't know. You've shown yourself faithful on our behalf. You've shown yourself trustworthy. You've placed hope and expectation in our hearts. Lord, I pray today over all of us, that when we talk about our God, when we read about our God, that we remember your goodness, your faithfulness, we, that you stand true to your promise, that you've worked out all of these details in perfection through people that are imperfect, but turn and look at you. And so, Lord, we say things like Mary said, Oh, magnify the Lord. I magnify the Lord. I lift up the Lord. Let it be according to his word. What he tells you to do, do it. So Lord, as we humble ourselves and come before you, Lord, we thank you that we come back to the promises that you've given us. Because you're not slack concerning your promises. You've given us promises for a reason. We come back. We embrace it. We blow it up. We magnify it. We speak those things out knowing that you have a plan and that you're watching and you're working out every detail and you tell us don't, don't be anxious. Don't overthink it. Don't waver it. Trust me. Walk it out. And we do that today. We humble ourselves and do that today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe today you just need to rededicate your life, get back on track, because he's here for you. So I would like all of us to pray this prayer after I, after I say it. Ready? Dear God, Dear 
I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And that he died for me. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for giving me new life. And bringing me into your family. And forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that today, we want to pray with you at the end of service. So, so, so important we follow him. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, he's working out every detail in your life. He's working out every detail in your life. Now, if they looked at you without hope, you have freedom to slap them. <laughs> well, stand with me. We're going to close uh, service today with a song of worship. And let's magnify the Lord together. Let's be glad that he's placed a song. They don't worry about the person singing next to you or in front of you or behind you. You sing to the Lord today. Mary was a container of hope. She was a container of hope. And do you know today, in 2018, he is still looking for containers of hope. He's looking for wombs that are open. Now, that being said, there's nothing coming through these loins again. But he is looking for containers of hope. He's looking for wombs that will birth what he wants to do here in the city of Arcadia, in the cities that you live, in the classrooms that you teach, in the offices that you work in, in the people that you sit by daily and give aid to. Are you willing to say, let it be to me according to your word. And then you'll magnify the Lord. Because see, I don't know about you, but this body has some stretch marks from being pregnant. It's got the markings of giving birth. And when you're a container of hope, there will be markings of giving birth to what God wants to do. And they will leave you forever marked. And they will remind you that God used you in the past, but he wants to do it again. I encourage you this week, as you spend time in the word, or you go about your day, or you're just getting ready, let the Lord minister to your heart and speak to you on what he wants to do as we're getting ready to come into 2019. 2019. What does he want to speak to you about this upcoming year, or even just the end of this year? He not only wants to mark your life and change it forever. He wants to change the world around you. And don't consider yourself so small. Mary thought, 
who am I? He didn't consider her so small. You're not too small for God to use you in extraordinary, eternal ways. Amen? Amen. Well, we get to do something that I absolutely love every year. And it's the poinsettia outreach. We, doesn't the stage look beautiful? I absolutely love it. We are going to deliver poinsettias today. And we have cards in this basket. If you are delivering one, if you will please pick up a card, cards and envelopes. And it already says Merry Christmas from the Hills Church. And if you will please write your name or your family's name. And there are pins that match the writing in the card. If you will kindly choose the color that is written in the card. These aren't hard instructions. And then whoever you are bringing it to, if you will write their name or community office on the front of the card, that would be wonderful. If you need to pick up lunch sacks, you can do that next door in Johnson Hall. Tonight, we have our Christmas open house at the Hofflin home. I hope you're all coming. I would love to see your face in our home. If you need our address, please come on up to us at the end of service, and we'd be happy to give that to you. Uh, it is going to be a fun time. If you are coming, please don't forget to bring an appetizer or dessert. We have everything else taken care of. Am I forgetting anything else? If you need prayer, If you did not sign up to take one and there are extras, you are more than welcome to take one to a neighbor or somebody else in your community. If you need prayer, please come on up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless and have a great day.